Tapping the Keg Daily is live for Tuesday. It is August 15th. We're going to talk about why the next few weeks make the Milwaukee Brewers contenders or pretenders. We're also going to discuss the two sides Jordan Love. Some interesting takes after Jordan Love's first preseason game wasn't the only one with the hot takes. And then lastly, the Badgers check in at the number 19 spot in the AP poll. Is it too high? Is it too low? We will discuss that. And it is my 35th birthday today. So we are going to talk about that a little bit. I will get sappy, probably a little sentimental, a little serious chalk. Who knows? Uh, I'm just going to let it hang uh, at the very end of the show. Uh, yes, it is my birthday today. Uh, my mom always made big deals about my birthday. Uh, she's, I think, sees them as bigger days because I don't know if it's exactly because her, she was born on the 4th of July, but birthdays always matter to her. So I I love birthdays. I love my birthday. I think birth, my birthday is as good as Christmas. It's a great day. Uh, I am working uh, my day job because it's a Tuesday and you just can't control the pagan calendar. And you're, you know, Tuesday, taking a day off on Tuesday, there's not really much there. I have some stuff the back end of the week. You guys don't care. Why I'm bringing it up is not only to talk about it later, but also because of my birthday, you got to give me a gift. And the gift you could give me is a few things. Follow me on social media. Follow me on somewhere else. So tapping the keg on Twitter, tapping the keg sports on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook. Uh, you could also subscribe to the pod if you just listen kind of every now and again. Like if you're a Brewers fan, but you're not really a Packer fan or you're a Packer fan, but you're not really a Brewer fan. And you just kind of check in when you when you can. We're on Apple, we're on Spotify, wherever else you get your podcast. So I'd appreciate that. If you've already kind of done those things, then leave a review for us. Uh, that would really help. We'd really love that. I uh, would love to see birthday reviews uh, in the Apple uh, store when I, I check it, probably on Wednesday, because we're not going to have a pod uh, tomorrow. So I, I, any of those things would be great. Uh, those would be awesome birthday gifts. I would really appreciate that. Uh, I do appreciate all the love and support regardless if you do those things or you just listen you check in if you're checking in every day if you're checking in once every you know two weeks once every week it still means a lot to me and I, I really appreciate that and I appreciate you know that that you're on this ride with me and I don't know when I'll stop I don't know you know if we'll ever get to a point where we're bigger and you know people know know us more but I hope that you're going to be those day ones. And I, I really will not forget the, you people. Like, I, I seriously mean that. And I'll talk probably more about it when we get into, you know, turning 35. But it'll be probably less about the pod, more about just becoming an old man. Uh, so anyways, uh, let's get into sports. Let's not have a whole, you know, podcast about my, my therapy session, which I did about this time last year when we were moving to Brookfield, uh, you could go back and listen to that one. In retrospect, not exactly the best podcast, but maybe we'll look back on that uh, in mid-September because that's, I think, when that podcast came out. All right, let's talk about the Milwaukee Brewers and why they are in contender or pretenderville. The Milwaukee Brewers are playing good baseball all of a sudden. Uh, the Milwaukee Brewers have won four straight games. They are nine games over 500. They're three and a half games up on both the Reds and the Cubs. That did not change. Uh, both teams were not playing today. Uh, the Cubs play the White Sox tonight, and the Reds play the Guardians. 
the Milwaukee Brewers have a real chance to not only keep themselves as the NL Central stalwarts, the NL, NL Central top dogs, but they also have a chance to maybe be more than a than just that and be a potential World Series contender. I know that the Atlanta Braves are very good. My wife's grandmother, who's 82 years old, diehard Brewer fan, diehard Packer fan, was asking me if the Brewers have a shot in the playoffs. And I said, Atlanta's really good. She's like, really? And I was like, yeah, they are really good. They're the best team in baseball. And there's sometimes that's not what you can, there, there's nothing you can do. And she's like, well, could we beat them in a series? And I said to her, I, I don't know, maybe, you know, everything would have to work out well. I think the Brewers, you know, the, those Braves and, and Brewer series are sort of fugazi because of the pitchers that were out there. Julio Tehran and Colin Ray are not going to be throwing for the Milwaukee Brewers unless something goes catastrophically wrong in October. So I, I do think that there is that element of it. But if the Milwaukee Brewers can, you know, play well in the next couple of weeks, I think that there is a legitimate conversation to be had about the Brewers as a World Series contender to be on that second tier with the Los Angeles Dodgers. The Los Angeles Dodgers, I think at this point are in a tier of their own. I don't even want to put the Philadelphia Phillies in there. I've just not seen enough consistency from the Phillies to put the Phillies in that same conversation with the Los Angeles Dodgers. I think the Dodgers are in a class of their own and then the Braves are in a class of their own. And then it's the Brewers, the Phillies, the Marlins. Every, I think the Brewers, Phillies, and Giants, like if I was kind of power ranking it in an alternative way to power rank, that's kind of where I would put it. Uh, and the Giants might not even be there. But I feel like with the pitching they have, with sort of the way they play, I think they're built for October. So that's why I have to at least consider the Giants. And then I think it's the Marlins, the Cubs, the Reds. But the Marlins... I, if they can kind of figure out their pitching, like if Sandy Alcantara can finally be the pitcher he was last year and you're kind of seeing him take form and Braxton Garrett pitched really well against the Astros uh, Monday night, like maybe the Marlins graduate in that. I just, I think there's a lot of unknowns about that roster when it comes to October just because we haven't seen it before, right? So I, I think the Brewers could graduate if they have a good couple of weeks because they play a really hard schedule. And the Brewers have played well, you know, against that top tier talent. Uh, maybe not the top, top tier, but at least playoff contenders. They've done well, right? They took that series from Philadelphia uh, recently. They hung in there against the Chicago Cubs. They obviously dominated the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, the Brewers have been okay against that middle tier. Maybe not okay, a little bit better than okay. But when it comes to the Dodgers, when it comes to the Braves, it hasn't gone as well. We, we already talked about the Braves the Brewers lost two out of three to the Dodgers. Now, granted, again, they were not necessarily the team they are today. Uh, that was a much different Brewers team in early May where they were kind of floundering a bit. And we all wondered, you know, if this this April thing was a mirage, then they would go sweep the Reds. But May was pretty disappointing in general before the Brewers turned it around. Now they've made some trades and they look like a different roster. And so this, to me, is such a big week for the Brewers, not only with the Dodgers, but also with the Rangers. But I want to stay on the Dodgers for a second here. If the Brewers go head-to-head in these three games, and even if they were to lose two of them, I don't want to get swept. I think you get swept. That's a whole other conversation that we have to have on Friday about this team. But if they, if they at least hold on, if they at least win one, if they win two, 
I think then you say, all right, yeah, they can play with the Dodgers in a five-game series because the Brewers pitching staff is equipped to handle short series. They are perfect for that, especially with the way Freddie Peralta is going. Now, I know Peralta won't be pitching, and unfortunately, as how it breaks, the Brewers are going to have Wade Miley and Adrian Hauser, but I still think Adrian Hauser and Wade Miley are going to be important to a Brewer playoff run. And I think them having the familiarity against this Dodgers lineup is a good thing. Miley got roughed up by this Dodgers team in early May, but that's not to say that he's the same result is going to happen you know, this week against Los Angeles. And Los Angeles has been playing well. Uh, they have a ton of talent. They never go away. I do think their bullpen is susceptible. I don't think this bullpen is very good. I think that is where you beat this Dodgers team. Uh, you do have Clayton Kershaw that you're going to have to deal with on Wednesday night, but the Brewers have looked a little different against left-handers. I don't think they are as incompetent against left-handers as we've seen them in the past. Uh, you have Bobby Miller tonight, who is an awesome flamethrowing righty, and then Lance Lynn, who I think is gettable. Uh, Lance Lynn has pitched better with the Dodgers, but still, he's he's struggled this year, and and I think the Brewers, you know, have a little bit of a book on Lance Lynn. They've seen him in the past with the Cardinals and then with the White Sox. So I do think there is a chance they'll, they could get to Lance Lynn. I, I do think Thursday is probably their best opportunity to win with Burns on the mound. Uh, you probably had to rank them. It'd be Burns, Burns Lynn, uh, Miley Miller, and then Hauser Kershaw would probably be the one where you're like, yeah, that's, that's not probably happening. And I've looked up in the past. I think the Brewers on my birthday are not that successful. They don't always play on my birthday, uh, but they have not been that great. I think it's like 500, maybe a little bit worse, maybe a little bit better. I have looked that up in the past. I don't have it on you, so I, I apologize uh, for not having that data point. But yes, this is a good series for the Brewers to see where they are, to see can they play a little bit better than what we saw in Atlanta, right? How do you make sure that that Atlanta series isn't a repeat? And, it, and if it is, like that to me is a huge red flag. And that's where I start saying, well, is this team real or not? Because if they were to get swept by the Dodgers, right? And then they were able, let's say they beat, go two out of three against the Rangers. I still have my concerns because you're not seeing the Texas Rangers in the playoffs. You're gonna see the, you're gonna see the Los Angeles Dodgers. And if you can't beat the Dodgers and you can't beat the Braves, then you're kind of fucked. And I realize October baseball is different. I realize that it won't be the same pitchers that were on the mound in that series against LA, but you at least have to get some confidence. Going a combined two and 10 against the Dodgers and Braves sends an awful message to your fan base. Sends a message that we cannot compete with them. And they, they might not be able to. And that, that sucks to say, right? That's a shitty fucking thing to say. But I, I do, I've said it before with baseball, and I know it frustrates a lot of the anti-Ananasio haters, uh, or the Ananasio haters, not the anti-Ananasio haters, the Ananasio haters that this is the EPL, man. We are we are a mid-tier team. We are Leicester City. I Did they get regulated? I'm not sure. Uh, that's EPL talk for you. But like, we are a scrappy-ass bunch, and we're the Wolves, right, of uh, Wolverhampton or something like that. Like, we are not one of the big boys and we have to act that way and realize that baseball is not built for the little guy and it takes catching every little break. Now that's a defeatist mentality. I won't hear it. I will still be mad at the Brewers if they struggle against the Dodgers again, 
So I really think there there would be something imperative about getting that. Maybe not, it's not imperative they win tonight, but it's at least, it would set the tone in such a big way to just be like, all right, we got one. Now, that's not to say wrestling or laurels, but we got one and we have Burns on the mound on Thursday night. And we talked about their brutal travel schedule with playing Thursday night, then going to Central Time, and looks probably like Friday is going to be a wash for that team. I, if I were the Brewers, I'd send Brandon Woodruff there early so he can just sleep normally, and maybe that gives you a chance and you can eke out a win, like two to one, but I think you're going to get a lot of guys taking that day off. I think it's going to be a lot of the young guys. You're just going to hope that the youthful energy of that team you know, carries the Brewers through because that's a brutal, brutal hand that they are dealt. Um, and you'll obviously see Scherzer on Sunday, and he's been terrific. And, and you'll see Andrew Haney and Dane Dunning. So they're all guys that are pitching well. And Haney, they've seen in the past, a uh, former lefty for the Dodgers. So like it's this is a really difficult week for the Brewers, but it's also a week where if they go three and three, they go four and four, you got to start believing here. You got to start saying, like, this team can contend with the big boys. And the thing about the schedule is it doesn't exactly stop here. Like it, it, it's this is just the beginning, and that's where we really kind of get into more of it. Where after this, they play the Twins for two games. The Twins right now are a wild card, or they're the NL or AL Central. Let's redo that. The Twins are the AL Central representative in the playoffs right now. And you'll get them for two games at home. You play the Padres over the weekend. Now, the Padres have been a disappointment, but they still have a lot of talented players. I doubt that they will completely mail it in. They still have They still have to... You still have to play those guys. You still have to play the games. It's kind of like playing the Cardinals in September. Like, the Cardinals still have a ton of talent, even though they're not very good, uh, which I know that is a hip, it's kind of hypocritical, but I, I trust me, it makes sense. And then you have the Cubs for three in Chicago. That will be a fired up fan base and it will be such an important series for the Cubs. It'll be a more important series than it is for the Brewers because if the Brewers can think they win two, they actually get the tiebreaker over the Cubs if they were to tie for the season, which might really matter because the Brewers and Cubs play each other at the very end of the year. Then you have the Phillies over the weekend and if you were able to beat the Phillies two games of two two to one in that series or no yeah you need two you would then have the tiebreaker over the Phillies uh if you were to tie for a wild card spot so there's a ton of implications here in the next six series and if the Brewers can come out of this a few games over 500 we got to talk about them as a top tier team in the National League and it's going to be like hell we're going to pull our teeth out we're going to grow more gray hairs here in the next three weeks as we wrap up summer with this brutal schedule but it it's it could be all worth it it it's great that the Brewers are going to be in playoff environments here for the next three weeks there is no there's no break it is all gas right now and I think the Brewers are ready for it I think that the Chicago series was a great sort of launching pad. The Brewers have sort of developed a never say die attitude. You know, they came back against the Rockies on Wednesday. They were down four runs in that game. They were down three runs in the game on Friday against Chicago. They were down two runs on Saturday. Now, I don't want the Brewers to be down every game, but it seems like they have had a, a penchant to come back 
all of a sudden, which was not necessarily their calling card at the beginning of the year. So let's hope that the Brewers can show themselves and be a little bit more. And for the haters who say, oh, this team can't contend, maybe they're wrong by Labor Day. Moving on to Jordan Love. So we talked about Jordan Love on yesterday's show. If you missed it, I understand it was late, posted late, no big deal. You can go back and listen to that. Another birthday gift there. Uh, And I had had the take that Jordan Love looked the part of QB1. As you can imagine, because the Jordan Love storyline is a big deal nationally, you had multiple pundits sounding off about Jordan Love. Colin Cowherd being one of the premier yard barkers in all of sports media had an opinion on Jordan Love and Colin Cowherd sort of played the hits. Uh, Colin Cowherd has been a notorious Packers hater in the past and called Jordan Love a game manager and that there's nothing special there. He also said that we can't judge Love the same way that we do Anthony Richardson, that we do Bryce Young and that he's held to a different standard. I want to get back to that point, but let's start with the game manager stuff. I think that Colin Coward can't, you can't make that that claim. You can't say that and really believe it after week one of preseason. There is so much football left to be played. There is so much that can happen that will determine if Jordan Love is a game manager or not. And Game manager, while a dirty word in the NFL, it's not a bad thing. Being a game manager is okay. Can it win you a Super Bowl? More times than not, no. But, I I mean, is Eli Manning a game manager? Like, when did Eli Manning ever have an MVP season and you're like, oh, wow, Eli Manning carried the fucking Giants? Never, right? Uh, and I know the point that Coward makes is like, well, it's the defense and you have to have a good defense. And the Packers don't have a good defense. Again, how do we know? We're going off of last year. Packers have a ton of talent on their defense. They just haven't been able to put it all together. Now, uh, locals know it's Joe Barry's fault or the scheme that Joe Barry has been running. So this take by Coward just does not make sense. And even game managers with bad defenses can be all right. He's acting like the Bears and the Lions and the Vikings are like big 12 fucking offenses and they're going to score 35 points a game. And that's just simply not true. Does the Chicago Bears offense have a chance to be better? Yeah, for sure. They have DJ Moore. They have Khalil Herbert. We talked about yesterday. I think they have some playmakers there. Do I think the Bears are going to lead the NFL? Do I think they're going to have a calm explosion of talent? I forced that. Do I think the Bears are just going to be coming points? No, I don't. I think they'll be a little bit better offensively, but I don't think it's going to be this explosion of points. All right. And the Lions had a good offense last year, but they had a shit defense. And why aren't we talking about that? Uh, The Vikings won a ton of one score games. That's not sustainable. the, The NFC North is gettable. And I think that Jordan Love as a quote-unquote game manager, according to Colin Coward, can do just enough to be successful and get the Packers to where they need to be. Remember, Jalen Hurts got to the playoffs in year one. Jalen Hurts then got to the Super Bowl the following year. I am not expecting the Packers to get to the Super Bowl. The Packers have an ability to start quick with the way their season goes. 
you know, they, they have the Bears at home or on the road. Then they, then they have Atlanta, New Orleans, Detroit, Las Vegas. There is a path for the Packers to start 4-1. I do not think that is a crazy statement. And it doesn't even need Jordan Love being a superhuman, right? And it, it's just, it's so ridiculous that we are, you know, immediately, you know, doling out the hot takes of, oh yeah, he's a game manager. And I heard Aaron Nagler, who I respect, uh, basically like, I don't give a fuck about what Colin Coward says. And I appreciate uh, the candor from Nagler, but I do think it's important to talk about this because Colin Coward is a national voice. National people, casuals, hear what Colin Coward has to say. And things that Coward, Stephen A., to a lesser degree, Michael Wilbon, to a lesser degree, Bill Simmons, they kind of rots into people's brains because they hear it enough and they're like, oh shit, Jordan Love's a game manager. Jordan Love's a check down guy. That's all Jordan Love does. Matt LaFleur is going to set Jordan Love up for success. Matt LaFleur's system is going to be less of Jordan Love going YOLO like Aaron Rodgers and letting Jordan Love play in the system. And somehow that infuriates Coward. And what Coward hasn't seemed to figure out is that Aaron Rodgers was defying LaFleur at every corner. If anything, the story out of week one, if Coward really wants a hot take, is how much did Aaron Rodgers not listen to Matt LaFleur? This does not look like the offense that Aaron Rodgers ran. Why is that? Now, David Bakhtiari was quoted to say, we're doing more because Aaron was slow as shit. Obviously, busting his balls as, you know, one of his boys. But still, like, that to me is the, if you want to go like hot take, kind of out of bounds, sort of like get, you know, get a high engaging clip. Like to me, that's the story. I know Jordan Love puts asses in the seats, but we have to talk about it because this is now going to be part of the national dialogue, especially if Coward keeps hammering it. Coward keeps calling Jordan Love a game manager. You're going to hear other people use it because Colin Coward said it. And that's why we have to acknowledge it. That's why I have to talk about it. And I'm mad about it because I just am like, all right, man, like, let's just chill out. He did not look a mess. He did not look like he didn't belong on the field. Really, the only guy that had that sort of feel was CJ Stroud. CJ Stroud was the only one where I think we really could say like, yeah, he didn't belong there. And to Coward's point, speaking of Shroud, saying like, we have to hold love to a different standard. He is right on that. He is right. And we, we've talked about that with Mitch and I and myself where Jordan Love has been here now for four years. This is his fourth year. Jordan Love's window of opportunity is not, hey, let's wait and see what the kid has for two years. They don't really have that time. With the talent they have around Jordan Love, they don't need Jordan Love to be an MVP this year. They need Jordan Love to be an MVP candidate next year. That's kind of what they're hoping for. And if he's not, then they need to look for other options. And that to me is something that Cowherd was right. We We do have to hold Love to a different standard. Now, does that mean we write off his career if he struggles week one? No. Does that mean we write off his career if he struggles the first month of the season? No. Does it mean if he struggles for two months and it's kind of who he is that we write him off? Yeah. Yeah. It's got that at that point, you have to at least have the tough conversation about when is it time to cut bait? 
Are we looking at quarterbacks in the draft like a Bo Nix or Jordan Travis? Like, is that is that the route we're going, you know, for quarterback and drafting in the first round because we're going to draft in the top 10 or the top 15? I don't know. The other side of this Jordan Love coin was from Dan Orlovsky, who was on with Pat McAfee. And Orlovsky said this, you know, in obviously more words. The ball went in the right place in every single play for Jordan Love. I was very impressed with him and would be very encouraged if I was a Packer fan, says Orlowski. That was quoted from Pat McAfee's show. Then Orlowski followed it up and said, I would be very encouraged in Green Bay. So reiterating the point that the Packers are in a really good spot, according to him. He does a ton of film work. He is a film junkie. He is a guy who's actually getting in the weeds, seeing what these quarterbacks have and these offenses have. And if he's seen that out of Jordan Love, that to me is a good sign. That to me is is reassuring that he sees it and that he sees enough to be like putting his stamp of approval on one of the biggest shows, you know, going right now and saying like, yeah, Jordan Love's a dude and I think he's going to be good and I think he's going to be successful. If you remember, if you have, you'd have to find the pods that he talked about Jordan Love, and I easy, could not do that. I don't want to go back and listen to every time Trent Dilfer was on with Ryan Arcillo, but Dilfer co-signed on Love, and Dilfer thought Love, you know, had what it take took to be take to be a a guy. I don't know which grammatical uh, take that would that would be, but still, like these guys are saying, hey, Love's Love has it. Love has what it takes. He's been working at this. He's laser focused. He is sharp. He didn't look sloppy. He wasn't having trouble getting up to the line. He was in control of everything. You know, he kind of said his eyes, you know, spent a little too much time on the linebacker versus, you know, looking at Luke Musgrave and led to that overthrow. Like that's 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 stuff that's going to be fixed. That's why you have him out here every week. And so I am not I think that's the the coin we want to be on. We want to be on that Arlovsky coin. We want to talk about that side of it. I think it's fair to at least acknowledge the year four from Coward, but it's really about what Orlovsky said and how sort of the encouragement of of what he sees in the film is probably a better sign for the Packers when it comes to their long-term success. Obviously, we have a long way to go with Jordan Love. It's not going to be solved today. It's not going to be solved next week. It's not going to be solved for a while. But this is going to be a constant conversation. And we're going to just have to deal with it as Packer fans, as podcasters, you know, as they come in. Because again, people will hear this and some will hear the first side, some will hear the second side. But whatever whatever side they do hear, that will become their thoughts about him. So we have to educate the masses and we have to say what's right and what's wrong. Really quick, before we go to the Badgers, I want to touch on Delvin Cook to the Jets. I I just, cool, I guess. Everyone's like, oh, the Jets are loaded. You know, obviously it's going to be on hard knocks this week. Everyone's going to come their pants like, oh my God, Delvin Cook. Delvin Cook, man, the, the advanced numbers do not support Delvin Cook still having anything in him. Delvin Cook's tires are worn. 
Like those motherfuckers are hydroplaning. Like this is not the Delvin Cook from a couple years ago that Aaron Rodgers remembers. And now we're getting into this sort of dream team Jets where everybody has to have the ball, right? <laughs> there is not necessarily, uh, you know, two balls to go around. Like we got to make sure Garrett Wilson gets the ball. We got to make sure Alan Lazar gets the ball. We got to make sure that Delvin Cook gets his carries. Delvin Cook is going to realize how much of a bitch it is to play with Aaron Rodgers. And he is not the number one guy. Delvin Cook has been sort of the guy until like the last couple of years with Kirk Cousins. I don't understand the excitement around Delvin Cook. I don't understand giving Delvin Cook $9 million. Like if that's what they're going to blow the additional Rodgers money on, God fucking bless them. Because that makes no sense to me. Uh, I just don't get it. Uh, I would have much rather had Ezekiel Elliott for that same price or a little bit less. I think Zeke, what Zeke does in terms of, you know, around the goal line and the productivity there with him and Ramondre Stevenson is really going to be a solid one-two punch. And the Patriots who have quarterback issues, unlike the Green, unlike the Jets, pardon me, not the Green Bay Packers, they can ground and pound and then just have Mac Jones do enough. Mac Jones can be much more of a game manager because of that defense. Uh, and that's where Colin Coward's point, you know, kind of exemplifies. But I think we know more about Mac Jones than Jordan Love. I'm not going to go back to that well. But still, I'd rather have Zeke on the Jets. Even with the Rodgers, you know, being passed first, I still think having Zeke around the goal line is extremely helpful. And the Packers really struggled last year around the goal line. And you're asking, Charlie, why'd you bring up the Packers about the Jets? Well, who's the quarterback? It's Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers really had a tough time around the tents last year. No one's really asked Aaron Rodgers why that was a struggle for him. Now, he'll probably say, well, we didn't have Nathaniel Hackett. We didn't have the gold zone. And he'll talk about that. We missed our gold member clips. And that's why. And just kind of play it off. But that has to be a little concerning. No, if you're the Jets. And if that you noticed that and you saw that stat, and I'm sure they have a pretty sharp analytics department, how are you not going after Zeke? I don't know. I would rather have Zeke than Delvin Cook. Uh, maybe that, again, maybe that's a hot take. But... I think that Zeke will be more productive for the Patriots than the, than Dalvin Cook will be for the Jets. You can mark that. That is on my birthday. Uh, feel free to put it in a note uh, and remind me about it in December. If we had a producer, if Mitch was doing the producing or we had someone else producing, I'd tell them to mark that because I think I'm going to be right on that. So we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. All right. Wrapping up today's show again with the Wisconsin Badgers. Uh, Wisconsin Badger football is getting a lot of love here on the pod recently. Uh, it, it, it's deserving, right? Uh, there's not a lot of Buck stuff to talk about. I did want to talk about an interesting Evan Turner uh, comment that he made. Uh, but maybe we'll uh, save that one for Mitch. We'll scroll that one away uh, for Mitchie for uh, Thursday show or Friday show, whenever we decide to do it. Uh, but the Badgers... Check in at the AP poll at 19. Uh, they were 21st in the coaches poll. Uh, 19 is the fourth highest Big Ten team. There are three Big Ten teams in the top 10 with Michigan at two, Ohio State at three, Penn State at seven, Wisconsin at 19, and then Iowa at 25. This is the upper crust of the Big Ten. This is the top tier of the Big Ten. 
Badgers are in that second tier, and I think they are fairly placed. I think if you look at what Iowa has, yes, they always have a good defense. They are bringing in you know, a new quarterback, a new wide receiver. They have talent there, but I think there's a lot of question marks about Brian Ferentz, and if he can actually be an offensive coordinator and you know score 25 points a game like his contract says, and because of that, I think the AP and the AP and the coaches, for that matter, showed Wisconsin more love. And it's a ton of respect considering it was a down year. But I think because of the transfer additions, because of Luke Fickle, because of Phil Longo, it's pretty fair. I don't think it's too high. I don't think it's too low. I think it's exactly where Wisconsin should be, honestly. Uh, and I think it's a really solid start for the Badgers. You know, if they can, you know, do well pre-Big Ten and, you know, kind of work their way up a little bit, there's nothing to say that they can't be a top 15 team, you know, to start the Big Ten season or when they, you know, get into that rough part of the schedule, which is Iowa, Illinois, and Ohio State, that they won't at least start in that top 15 or even maybe top 10 if, you know, it's a tumultuous, you know, first six weeks, five weeks of the season. Uh, We'll just have to see. But I think it's not going to put a ton of pressure on Wisconsin either. Uh, I think Wisconsin does better, at least the old Badgers, the Barry Alvarez, Paul Chris Badgers, Bielema Badgers, they did better when they were kind of under the radar and they were kind of lurking. And they were not necessarily in that top 10 or in that top 15. There isn't an immediate target on Wisconsin's back. And I think that target has been as small as it's been for a long time. And that's a good thing, I think, for a team who is just figuring themselves out, right? And how will all of the new pieces come together? And that is a huge challenge for them. And with a road trip to Pullman, Washington, and you have to think that Washington State's gonna have a little bit of a fuck you edge after all the Pac-12 stuff, and knowing that it's an ABC game and knowing that it will be part of the conversation and knowing that there's not, there might not be another ABC game in Pullman, Washington, and they want to send a statement, that's going to be a game where the Badgers are going to be have to be so fundamentally sound. That's going to be very difficult for them. And I think it's imperative they come out at, with a force against Buffalo. And Buffalo's a solid MAC team. They're not going to be anything special this year. But they, they still need to show up for that one. And they need to, you know, kind of be, you know, a resa- like a resounding win. I, I'm sure they have a line out for it already. Uh, it's probably around, I would guess, 17 or 20 if they have a line. Uh, I well, 27. Oh, shit. Maybe Buffalo's a little, a little worse than I expected them to be. So anyways, I expect, if they can cover or close to cover... I think then you feel good about what, what you have for that Washington State game. And then to me, like that's the springboard for the rest of the season. Because uh, if you're able to go into Pullman, win that game, and then you have Georgia Southern before you know getting into Big Ten play, like that all of a sudden it's like, okay, here we go. That's all systems go. And Wisconsin you know, hasn't necessarily had the cleanest of September's it has been a struggle for them. You know, you had last year the loss to Washington State where everybody sort of looked at it and said, holy shit, this is not what anyone expected. Remember, the Badgers were ranked. There was a ton of hype around that team last season. 
They lose 17 to 14 to Washington State and then lost 52 to 21 to Ohio State on that sat on that Saturday, September 20, 24th. They were two and two, and then the Illinois loss, and where the, the wheels fell off, and the Badgers were two and three, and Paul Chris was out of a job. But you go back to 2021. They started out one and three. Now they played a extremely difficult schedule. Started out against Penn State, had the Eastern Michigan game where they bounced back, but then had to play Notre Dame in Chicago and then Michigan at home, and the Badgers were one and three. Now they rallied all the way back to have an eight and four finish to the season, and they were eight and three before losing that final game at Minnesota. And in that sort of started their go for losing streak. But let's see. When's the last time the bat the last time the batters had a clean September was 2019 when they went they started the year six and oh before losing at Illinois uh it, with Jack Cohen, uh, which is a crazy game, you know, kind of a look ahead spot before they got dusted uh at Ohio State the following week. But that that's sort of, you know, I think what they would hope for, right, is exactly that. I think it would end up being 5-0 and with the bye and that they would have that opportunity to sort of start hot and be in a perfect position where if you did go 1-2 and two in that Iowa, Illinois, Ohio State stretch, that you still have a realistic shot to contend for the Big Ten title. Uh, obviously, you'd lose tiebreakers. I, you'd hope two of those you know, one of those two losses is to Ohio State. So it's a little soften of the blow and you don't lose tiebreakers in both Illinois and Iowa, but you just never know. So I think it's a proper ranking. I don't look at any of the teams that should be higher than them in terms of national stuff. Like looking at the rest of it, I feel like there's a lot more questions about those teams than I have with the Badgers. Uh, you know, who is it? So it's Oklahoma. Like Oklahoma has a chance to be very talented, but they were, they were so bad last year and it's kind of just, you're betting on the Oklahoma talent bouncing back. And then you have North Carolina who has Drake May, but they lost a lot. They don't feel long ago there. And then you have Ole Miss who, I, I think there's question marks there. In their roster, Texas A&M, again, super talented, but really disappointed last year. Tulane, the surprise of last season, kind of getting a little bit of that respect there. And then Iowa. And the next team in the Big Ten that have votes is Minnesota at six. So it, it really is a, you know, a haves and the have-nots. And Minnesota and Illinois kind of fall in that have-not for now. Now, could they graduate to being in that mix? Maybe. But I think for both teams, it's going to take a lot. And I think there's a lot of questions about the Gophers quarterback and what they have available there and if he can actually, you know, be successful because he didn't he couldn't beat out Tanner Morgan uh, and if you can't beat out Tanner Morgan like how good of a quarterback are are you really so we'll have to see it's going to be fun uh can't wait for college football to start god next week week zero we're back in the mix and then uh fully in the mix uh the second of September which will be great um and I I truly truly cannot wait uh, it'll be a lot of fun. So looking forward to that and looking forward to talking to a lot, a lot of football uh, in the next few months uh, as I start my ascend as a 35-year-old, which we'll end the show with.
I've always made a big deal about age. Uh, my friends have busted my balls in the past and say, you make way too big of a deal about it. It doesn't really matter. It's just a number. Who gives a fuck? This whole thing. And while I get it, and while they are probably right, I think I have a hard time with age because I'm always the second. I have one buddy who's a little older than me, but I'm one of the oldest ones in my friend group. Now, when we were younger, turning 21 was fucking awesome. We had a party at Shea Ken's place uh, on Kramer and we had a great fucking time. My mom bought a bunch of booze, probably illegal. Uh, I think we're up for the statute of limitations, but we just had an absolute rager that night. And I didn't even go out to the bars for my 21st birthday. I think the first time I went out to the bars was Eau Claire, actually a couple weeks later and kind of did a pseudo celebration there. And that was when I first kind of got my taste of bar life. But at back then, I, I just wanted to be with my friends. And that, that was all that mattered because none of them were 21. And I didn't want to make people have fakes for guys. Like fake IDs were a lot harder to come by than chicks because chicks just push their tits up or have their ass poking out. And it usually works out for them, right? So it, it was just so fun to be the oldest one because you could buy your buddy's beer. You could, you know, you... I hopefully was going to be able to drive drive cars, but I had an issue. I couldn't get my license for a while because I was a bad driver, but that's a whole other story for another time. But it was always cool to be the first guy in early on. And then as you get older, it's like, fuck. Like, I, I'm, st- I'm not chasing that 34 anymore. Like, Mitch just turned 34 back in uh, July, and I'm very jealous of that because I, I think the 35 is just such a big number. Like you're halfway to 70. I know that you have a lot of years left, but you are literally in partly the middle of your life. You are in the part of your life where things start changing. You start feeling like you are older and you are, you know, there are things that are going to pass you by, things that you're not going to understand. I try to keep up with a lot of it on social media. And, And I think part of that is scary. I'm not going to lie. Like I, I like, you know, keeping up with the trends. I like listening to younger music. Like I enjoy all of that, but I, I do think there is this obsession, this forever, forever young obsession. And it's a really hard thing to combat because I think we see it all over the place. You know, uh, big cat, uh, Barstool Sports, Dan Katz. Was talking about how his wife had a kid. I think their first kid they had her. She might be. He might have been thirty-seven when they had their first. And the doctor basically called the mom a teenage mom because so many women were having babies older in their lives and just you know they lived out basically all their thirties, kind of like their twenties. And I think a lot of us feel like you know we got robbed because of we didn't have enough money or. We just didn't realize like how fast it goes. So if you're a younger person listening, like I know probably people tell you this all the time, but just do a bunch of shit. Have a lot of fun. Don't say no to things if you can. Don't like, you know, be, be responsible, but don't just like be like, oh, I don't have enough money. Like I didn't see Springsteen one time because I didn't want to pay $45 to see him at Wrigley. I was 23 at the time. Now I saw Springsteen later in life, but still that was so dumb. I didn't go see Bonnaroo with my guy Dougie because it was too expensive. I should have done that. Now Dougie goes Bonnaroo still. I, I think I'm too old at this point. I think I'm retired without even going. 
But like, I just, my advice would be don't say no to things. Because now it's hard as fuck to plan stuff. Like I'm pretty much out on bachelor parties. Like when I say I'm out, I don't mean that like I, I'm never gonna go to one. It's like, I don't have any friends left. I've, I've Mitch. I have maybe my two future brother-in-laws. One is my future brother-in-law, the other one we'll see. And maybe my actual brother-in-law. Uh, but like, that's it. That's all I got. So I don't have much anymore in that, in that capacity. So now it's guys trips and planning those and trying to figure out every year, you know, who's available and everybody has kids and you, you see, you know, some of your friends a ton, but some of them you, you don't see at all. And I probably need to be better about that, about checking in and making sure like I'm seeing, you know, this person, you know, every month and seeing this person, you know, every other month because they have a couple kids and they're, they're busy and seeing this person every quarter. And I do value so many friendships and so many of these matter to me. And so I think your birthday, you know, not only is it just a celebration and you enjoy it and you love, you know, sort of everybody reaching out, but it's also a time to kind of take a step back and be like, all right, what am I grateful for? But also what can I be doing more? Like, what can I be doing different? I mean, this podcast, man, I can't tell you how many times on my birthday, I've looked at it and said, I'm gonna do this, this, and this, and I don't do it. So how do I follow through? I think this year is ample opportunity. I think that I have a great you know, runway, right? Uh, the last two birthdays have been kind of hectic. Uh, the, my 33rd, I was, getting, I was on my way to getting married. You know, my wedding anniversary is uh, 13 days later here. Uh, to, last year, we were in the midst of getting ready to move to Brookfield. Our move-in date was the 15th of September. So we were in our last month of living in Milwaukee, which was tough for me. And, you know, part of that retrospect of the birthday was, holy shit, this part of my life is over. And I enjoyed being in the suburbs. It took a while, I'm not going to lie to you, but I there is, there is still stuff I, I absolutely, you know, could get more of. It'd be nice if people were, you know, more friendly we're going to do, I, I will say this. Okay. I, so let's, let's, let's talk brass tacks about things that I want to do for the pod. At least I want to, I want to do a gathering. I want to hang out with everybody um, who wants to. Um, and I want to do a Packer game. I want to do a Brewer game and I want to do a Bucks game and probably a Marquette game, maybe a Badger football game, but I want to do all of them. And I want to do it probably in the, in the fall and the winter. And the reason why I want to do it, and I'll pick a bar, we'll probably do some in Milwaukee, we'll probably do some in the suburbs. But what I want to do is I want to like have that companionship. I want you guys to come hang out and let's just have beers and watch the game. And, you know, it's a big event, you know, men, women, doesn't matter. Just as long as you listen to the show or you follow me on Twitter or Instagram or TikTok, uh, it do, you know, it doesn't matter. I just, I think that, Male companionship is so important. And, you know, I think Scott Galloway had a stat, like one out of every seven males don't have friends and they were just lonely as shit. And I, I, I hope if it's one of you guys who are listening, I hope that, you know, I am your friend. Like, I hope that you see me that way and uh, I want to be that. And so it's definitely, um, you know, it's something I want to do. Um, and, and I hopefully will plan it, you know, hopefully in October we'll do one. And then we'll see how that goes. And if, you know, just my buddies show up, 
it's okay. You know, they, I appreciate that love and support in that regard. So we will, uh, we'll figure that out. Um, I'll have to, I'll have to kind of do some planning. Um, but, and that's sometimes my death sentence. I can plan like what we're doing on a, on a uh, Saturday night, but then when it comes down to those things, I, I struggle with it. So, uh, I, I do really appreciate all of you. Um, I, it really means a lot to me and I, you know, looking forward to another great year and this just, I, I love this shit and I probably won't do, I'll probably stop doing it at some point. I hope it's not for a while. Um, and, it, and whenever I do it, it'll be a, a core memory of my life and it'd be core thing that I, that I've put a lot of time in. And so I'd really appreciate, you know, just keep spreading the word, man. Keep telling people about us. And we, we you know, we love you for it. So we won't be on tomorrow. Um, we will be, um, we will be on for Thursday, uh, whether it's with Mitch and I or just myself, and then on Friday as well. So take care, have a good one. Enjoy your Tuesday. I know I will. Um, and yeah, we'll uh, see you Thursday. All right.